Good morning, church. My name is Steve. I'm glad that you chose to be in this place today. If you would, Sam, we're going to have a time of, of rest, a time of relaxation with the spirit that is in this place. He's going to pour himself out into this room. Let's give him everything we got. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come down, spirit. Oh, uh-huh. 
want to give us peace today. Let us see you. Let's trust that you are in this place, that you've given us everything that we need to have an abundant life. Father, we want to thank you for this tremendous gift that you've given us in the example of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
His mercy's enough. His grace is sufficient. So come if you're needing forgiveness or healing. His mercy. that nobody understands around them. It comes from a supernatural place. It comes from you. And when we have given ourselves completely to you, when we follow the, the path of Jesus Christ, I know, Father, that's available to every person. And I know that it doesn't mean that we will escape that chaos. It just means that you're going to be with us through every step of the way in the middle of those storms. God, I want to thank you so much for Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Just guys take a seat for a second. We're about to go into a time of communion, and this is a way for us to remember. A way for us to remember that the peace that can come into our life comes because the price of Jesus Christ, what he has paid for each of us. And every time that we gather together, we were reminded of that price, and we were reminded of that gift and that sacrifice. And so when you go to the tables in just a few moments, you'll see bread and juice laid out on these tables around this room. And it's kind of a little bit of a different type of bread and juice, but it is, you know, these little crackers and these little uh, kind of sip of uh, juice that's available to you. And it's a way to keep in mind, in the forefront of our mind, what it took for Jesus Christ, what it took for each of us to know God the way that we do. When he died on a cross, he washed away all of our sins. He did what we could not do, and he lived a perfect life. And what we want to do is remember that every time we gather together. If you want to know more about that, we would love to talk about that with you after the service. But Right now, as the people are going to come to the tables, they're going to be taking those elements together. And this place is also, you know, it's home to so many people that are in this room. And they, when they call it home, if they want to give an offering, that's what we do at each of the uh, tables. You have these black boxes that are our offering boxes. And you don't feel obligated to give in any way. But, you know, if you are a member of this church, you are a person that comes and calls this place home, this is the place that you do that because of what God has done for you. 
We also do this really cool thing here called the generous bucket. And at each of the uh, stations, you'll see these white, very bright white buckets that we give uh, people in our community, people that are in need. If you have something beyond your offering that you want to give, that's exactly where you can place it. Because it, sometimes we get this uh, kind of this, the spirit moves within us and we want to do more than what we, we chose to do or prepared, prepared to do. And that's what you're uh, going to listen to that and you can give in uh, each of the buckets as well. And then uh, Doc wanted me to remind you again that at each of the stations, there are these little cards. I've placed it at my feet. I'm not going to go down and get it for you. But at each of the stations, there are these cards. And we want you to make sure that you take one uh, today when you go to the communion table so that you'll have it in hand when we get to the message portion. Because it's something that we want you to uh, take to heart in this place today. So now that you've had your respite, go ahead and stand right now. Let's go to the tables. Remember that you are not alone. You can find peace in that. So uh, how many of you guys saw the tables with rocks in the foyer? How many of you saw those? <laughs> Just in case you don't know what they're for, right? <laughs> you know, usually we have vegetables out there. Rocks scare me. They do. But this is annoying. I'll take it down, but please be nice. I'll set it right here, throw up my feet. And you're probably going to want them as soon as you find out that I'm going to open up by giving you a homework assignment, right? I'm going to do that again, a homework assignment. Of course, you don't have to do your homework, but I suspect you're going to discover that you're worth it. It's worth it, even if you're not a Jesus follower yet. And just like we did a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to ask you to memorize a couple of verses powerfully good verses. And I'm not just going to ask you to memorize them. I'm going to ask you to try them. Actually try them out. Do it. You'll discover that they work. Here they are. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it to you first, and then I'd like you to read it with me. Are you ready? The Apostle Paul says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Good stuff, right? Now, do you buy that? Have you ever tried it? Let's read it together. Ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
Then, he says, then you'll experience God's peace. What would that feel like? How would you like some of that? Any of you guys need some of that? I think some of you guys need a boatload of it because some of you guys have a PhD in worry, right? You could teach classes on it. How many of you are willing to admit that you struggle with worry, anxiety, stress, health issues, and you're scared to death, money issues, and you can't sleep, your marriage is struggling, your kids are a mess, and it's just sucking the life out of your life, trouble at work, maybe you're out of work, that's hard, maybe you're being bullied or just flat out lonely, stealing your peace. Maybe it's your sin that is stealing your peace. Have you ever been unsettled or undone by your sin? I hope so. It can create some anxiety, can't it? On top of all that, just read the news. There's no peace out there, is there? Now, we're in the middle of a series focused on how God is trying to morph us into His image. He's trying to shape us into what He meant for us to be. It's a series on what we call the fruit of the Spirit, about what God's Spirit is trying to grow in us, Jesus followers, every day. If you're a Jesus follower, He's trying to do this to you. If you're not a Jesus follower, this is what He'd try to give you if you'd only give in. The Apostle Paul gives us a list of just a few of these fruit of the Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Would you like some of that? Love, joy, peace and all that stuff? Today's about peace. You're going to want it. Now I want to remind you of three things about these fruit of the Spirit. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit is simply God's character. You were made in the image of God, and your life works best when you reflect the image of God. If you're a Jesus follower, God's Spirit is inside of you trying to shape you into what God meant you to be, right? Number two, every one of this fruit of the Spirit is meant for every single Jesus follower. God doesn't give some of you love and some of you joy and some of you peace and hold those things back from others. If you're a Jesus follower, he's trying to grow all of this stuff inside of you together. Which means, if you don't feel God's peace, it's not because God's not trying to give it to you. If you don't feel God's peace, it means in some way you're resisting God. In some way you're trying to find peace your way or their way, instead of God's way. And that's not going to work. Number three. Letting God give you His peace, His way, is going to be hard, flat-out hard. Because we're going to have to allow God to kill some of the stuff inside of us that's getting in the way. We're going to have to let go of the world's way of finding peace, our own way of finding peace, and let God have His way. But you won't experience real peace unless you let God do it His way. Now, This peace of God is a big deal in our covenant with God. I mean, Steve had some verses on peace up as the service has been progressing. Here's one of the verses that he showed you. Jesus said this, peace is what I leave you with. I'm leaving my peace, and it's my own peace that I give you. I don't give you the kind of peace the world does. Don't be worried, upset, don't be afraid. I'm giving you my kind of peace, Jesus says. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 of the letters in our New Testament. Every single one of the letters of Paul opens up with God, something like this, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over he reminds us, God wants to give you his grace and his peace. It's a big deal. Now, the Bible talks about different kinds of peace. There is peace with God, right, that you need. See, our sin builds this wall between us and God, and Jesus tore down that wall on a cross, opening the door to peace with God. 
And then there's the peace of God, which is what I'm going to be talking about primarily this morning. When you're at peace with God, you have the chance of peace with of the peace of God inside you. No matter how hard life gets. And you need that. Every single one of us needs that. When you're at peace with God, you can have the peace of God inside. Now you have the tools, right? And if you've got these two, you've got the chance of real peace with men. Now, it's not a guarantee. It's a broken world out there. And the peace of God and resulting in a peace with men is only going to work if both people try it. Their way's not going to work, guys. We are the ultimate counterculture. We are doing life with God, for God, God's way together. And that's the only way it works. Anyway. Before we look at what the peace of God is, I need to look at what a real peace is not. These are the counterfeits. This is the kind of peace that some of us get preoccupied with. You ready? Number one, God's peace is not about pretending. Pretending I don't have trouble. Sometimes we are afraid to admit our issues, our struggles, our anxieties, our unpeace. So we pretend. Some of you guys, in fact, all of us, sometimes go around with this mask on. We pretend everything's okay. That is not real peace. Nor is peace avoidance. Simply avoiding your problems. I mean, some of you guys don't want to open that bill, right? Some of you guys don't want to go to the doctor because it might tell you something that will scare you. Some of you guys avoid that tough conversation. God's kind of peace doesn't come from avoiding problems, ignoring issues, sticking your head in the sand. That's not real peace. And God's kind of peace is not about calling a truce. Some of you guys call a truce because you get tired of fighting, right? Lots of people refuse to fight. They are not at peace. They're not fighting, but they don't have real peace either. Let me show you. Is it God's kind of peace when a husband and a wife agree not to divorce for the sake of the kids, but still live a life of coldness and indifference towards each other? It is not the fruit of the Spirit kind of peace. Is it God's kind of peace when two people who were once friends finally agree just to tolerate each other's presence? That's not fruit of the Spirit kind of peace. Is it God's peace when people in a church go through the rituals of church but grumble and complain and feel a coldness or a resentment towards each other? It's not fruit of the Spirit kind of peace, guys. It's not about calling a truce. It goes way deeper than that. Nor is God's kind of peace appeasement. Some of you guys appease because it kind of works temporarily. How many of you guys, for the sake of peace, just give in? Just let them have their own way, even if you fear that their way is wrong. How many of you guys appease a spouse or a kid for the sake of peace? You just let them do what they want, even though you think it's wrong. We all do it sometimes. Sometimes we let them do what they want just for the sake of peace. That is not God's kind of peace. Doormats cannot taste real peace. Jesus was no doormat. He never backed off a legitimate issue. He didn't simply appease his enemies. We don't either. And God's kind of peace is not cynicism. A lot of folks resort to cynicism. It's a cheap counterfeit of peace. How many of you guys have ever tried to find peace by stopping caring? You just don't care anymore. You quit caring. Sometimes it hurts too much to care. So you build this impregnable wall around your heart. Cynicism, apathy, hardening your heart so you don't feel much anymore. That is pseudo-peace. It is not God's kind of peace. It is not fruit of the Spirit peace. So, before I try to unpack what God's kind of peace really is, Let me take you down a little bit of what's going to look like a side road at first. It's really not. 
I want to show you the picture of a room. What do you think? Right here. You got a bed, chair, sink. There's a bathroom attached to this room that you can't see. It's got a toilet and a shower, well used. I've stayed in worse. Now, what if it is your wedding day and you discover that your brand new spouse has booked this as your honeymoon suite? How would it go? Would you be excited? Would you feel a bit of a tinge of disappointment? On the other hand, what if you were convicted of some crime and sentenced to prison? And when you get to prison, you discover that this is your room, right? Bed, sink, chair, separate bathroom. Would you feel disappointed or perhaps a tinge of relief? It's expectations, isn't it? What if your peace is tied to your expectations? What if your peace is tied to your expectations? Do you know that a whole lot of Jesus followers, maybe some of you guys, you don't taste a whole lot of peace because you've got these unrealistic expectations. You're a Jesus follower. So you don't expect the attacks on your peace that are inevitable in this world. We expect our omnipotent God to make life a little easier, right? Heal us when we're sick. Feed us when we're hungry. Mend our marriages, our kids. Protect us from the bullies. Someday God will do all that. Not yet. When you become a Jesus follower, usually you not only keep on fighting the same battles you were fighting before you became a Jesus follower, now you're going to have some brand new enemies. You're going to be fighting some brand new battles. How cool is that? Two verses. These are not fun, but they're true. Jesus said this, If the world hates you, and it will, remember that it hated me first. In other words, if you follow Jesus, those who don't follow Jesus are going to diss you. Do you get that? And then Jesus said this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And you're going to discover that he has someday. So here's how it works. Peace with God will result in unpeace with men. You get that? At least with those men who reject God. So we're going to have to choose our peace. Choose your peace. Do you want peace with God? Do you want the peace of God? Or do you want peace with them on their terms? You're going to have to choose. You are going to have more enemies as a Jesus follower than you had when you were not a Jesus follower. Is that okay with you? Here's the deal. This is hard for us to see, hard for us to admit a little bit, but before you were a Jesus follower, your greatest enemy was God. Was God. Not because God is mean, but because essentially you declared war on Him. You chose to reject Him. You chose to reject His Son, the one that He sent to win your way back. See, the irony is is that God is a magnificently wonderful adversary, right? The one that you dissed keeps trying to save you. We put him on a cross, a cross that he accepted because he wanted desperately to save us. It's cool. Wouldn't it be neat if all of your enemies loved you like God does? But the minute you make peace with God, which is where real peace starts... The minute you made peace with God, instantly all of God's enemies declare war on you. And they're not nice. Before you became a Jesus follower, your biggest enemy flat out loved you. He was doing whatever he could to tear down that wall between you. But the minute you became a Jesus follower, the enemies of God kind of became your enemies too. Let me show you some pretty interesting verses. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, you used to live in sin, 
just like the rest of the world. You obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. You are on his side. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You were one of his soldiers. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires, the inclinations of a sinful nature, because our hearts are messed up, aren't they? You didn't want God to be your God. You wanted to be your God. And because of that, by our very nature, God was the enemy. And we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But, Paul says, God is so rich in mercy, He loved us so much, even when we were at war with God, He still loves us, which is exactly the kind of enemy you really want, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. So if you follow that out, here's how it works. Before you're a Jesus follower, you're only, your biggest enemy is a profoundly good guy who wants your best. Once you became a Jesus follower, the devil, Satan, the world, and your messed up desires in your heart became your enemies. Satan tempts you to sin, to diss God, to be your own God. The world tempts you to sin, to diss God, to be your own God. And our own messed up hearts tempt us to sin, to diss God, to be our own gods. Now, if you don't understand this stuff, you're going to get beaten up and beaten down. But if you do understand this stuff, and if you buy this, you're going to experience this amazing peace even in the middle of your messes. Because the God who is for us is infinitely stronger and infinitely better than any of the enemies who oppose us. So, what is it, this God kind of peace, this peace of God that we're talking about? What is this fruit of the Spirit kind of peace? Well, it's a perspective on life. It's a way of looking at life. There's a strength there's a courage. There's a tranquility even in the middle of chaos. Do you know why? Because we trust God. We trust God. We trust that He is infinitely powerful, infinitely good, infinitely wise, and He flat out loves us. And this infinitely powerful, wise, loving God has our back. It's still going to be hard doing life in a world that is at war with God, but we can face the messes with peace, with confidence, knowing that in His perfect way, He is in control of our life. It's a calm in the middle of chaos. It's a strength when others would break. It's an almost supernatural serenity when there should be anxiety and worry and terror and angst. So the Apostle Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him. Thank Him for what He's done. And then you will experience a peace, a peace that can exceed anything that you can understand, a peace that's going to guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ, which means when you're sick or they're looking for a diagnosis, a diagnosis that should mortify you, you can handle it somehow. Do you know why? Because you trust Him. So when you've got money issues, and it's hard, and it hurts, you keep on doing life His way, knowing that in the end it's going to be okay. Do you know why? Because you trust Him. So when your marriage is struggling, or your kids are a mess, and it breaks your heart, but it doesn't break you, because you trust Him. So when there's trouble at work or trouble with a neighbor or a friend, you know He's there and you know He'll never quit on you. And knowing that gives you a strength and a courage. So when your sin proves to be stronger than you over and over and over again and you are tempted to fear that God is going to quit on you, you lean in again on His promise of grace, His infinitely boundless grace. You choose to trust Him. Do you? Do you actually trust God? 
You need some of that peace? I'll bet you do, whether you're a Jesus follower or not yet. And in those verses we opened up with this morning, there is a path to this kind of peace. It is the fruit of the Spirit, so you can't do it on your own. It's a gift from God, but we have to receive it. We have to make ourselves receptive. You're only going to get it His way. So we're going to unpack those verses one more time. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Stop it. If you're a Jesus follower, the stuff you worry about does not own you. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. Tell God what you need, even though He already knows. You just have to acknowledge where it's coming from. And thank Him. Thank Him for all He's done, even before He answers your prayer. And then you'll experience God's peace. A peace that will blow your mind. Pray about everything, he says. Which I think means bring every single piece of your life under the reign of God. Not just bring into God the things you can't handle. Bring all of your life under the reign of God. Do it His way when you've got no idea what to do. Do it His way even when you think you might have a better way. Bring it all under the reign of God. Pray about everything. Call Him Lord over everything. Pray about everything, He says. Well, pray to whom? Who are you praying to? Paul says you're praying to the big G God. The God who knows what you need. He already knows what you need better than you do. But you pray to Him because you have to acknowledge that He's in control. But here it is, guys. This is what this means. If you want real peace, you are going to have to make Jesus Christ the center of your life. You are never going to have peace with God until Jesus is the center of your life. And you're never going to have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Do you get that? Isaiah the prophet put it like this. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, whose thoughts are fixed on you, God. See, guys, trusting in God, we cannot experience God's kind of peace without putting him at the center. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He says, God can't give you peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. And then Paul adds something which seems weird at first, but I think maybe it's the key. Don't worry about anything, he says. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank Him. Thank Him for all He's done. Thank Him. Then you'll experience God's peace. Now, I'm going to pick on this translation just a little tiny bit, okay? The one that you're going to have on your card. Because the New Living Translation adds a couple of words that most other translations leave out. Paul wrote this verse in Greek. The Greek doesn't say, thank him for all he has done. The Greek simply says, thank him. That's all. Tell God what you need and thank him. Tell God what you need and thank him in advance for whatever answer he chooses to give you. Because you trust him. Tell him what's on your heart. Thank him in advance for any response he chooses to give you because you trust him. And I think that's the key to peace. Trust. You lay everything at his feet because he's Lord, including everything that is making life hard. And you trust that he is infinitely powerful, infinitely loving, and infinitely wise and let him work it out in his way. And someday we're going to marvel. And if you can do that, there is this courage and this calm and this strength, this peace. So Paul says, then you will experience God's peace. A peace that exceeds anything you can understand. A peace that is going to guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. Listen, guys, peace is not something experienced only by those for whom life is easy. Peace is a gift from God, a gift that you have the power to receive or not. 
Will you trust him? It's your choice. One of the psalmists put it like this. This is good. He says, why am I discouraged? Why are you? Why are you so sad? It's not because your heart, life is hard. It's it's because your heart is messed up, guys. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will choose to trust my God. I will praise Him, my God and my Savior. Don't you see? It's a choice, guys. God offers us His peace. It's ours to make a choice to receive it by trusting Him. Don't give in to the worry. Do not listen to your heart. Don't forget who made you. Don't forget who saved you. Don't forget who who holds you. The big G God, infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, perfectly good, mind-blowingly loving. That God has got your back. Worry, anxiety, angst, unpeace. That comes from following a messed up heart. That's an evidence that you refuse to trust God. And that's stupid. The peace of God comes from remembering who you are. The peace of God comes from remembering who's got you. But it's hard. That's really hard to trust God, isn't it? Listen, guys, if you're a Jesus follower and your anxiety and your worry owns you, don't you think that that's an evidence that you're struggling to trust God? If you're not a Jesus follower yet, don't you see that if you're looking for peace your way or their way, you're never going to find the real thing? Peace is God's gift to those who put Him first. You're not going to find that peace inside until you put Him first. You're not going to have peace in a troubled marriage unless you put Him first. You're not going to have peace in your conflicts with a coworker unless you put Him first. You can't enjoy God's gift of peace in any part of your life unless you're putting God first in that part of your life. You've got to trust Him, guys. And since the peace of God, the fruit of the Spirit kind of peace, is a gift from God, it cannot be taken away by the world. If you're putting God first, you're trusting Him, He can grant you a peace and a troubled marriage even if your partner keeps on acting like a jerk. If you're putting God first, you can trust 